Welcome to The Ledge. My name is Chris Harper, and I'll be your host every week. Every Tuesday, I will interview an artist, developer, or creative mind from the Web3 space. I'll be getting up close and personal with my guests as we explore the emerging crypto art and NFT scene. It is my feeling, along with many others, that we are in a digital renaissance. The emergence of blockchain technology has revolutionized the way we look at ownership, provenance, and digital assets. It is my goal as your host to help shed light on these complex subjects and even more so the individuals behind it all who are carving out their place in history here on the ledge of Web3. Good morning. My name is Chris Harper, and this is another episode of The Ledge. This morning, I am here with Gavin Shapiro, who's a motion graphics designer and digital artist. Good morning, Gavin. How are you? Good morning. I'm doing great. How are you? I'm very well. Thank you for taking time to come on the show this morning. I really appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Gavin, tell me a little bit about yourself, your name, your age, where you're from, and like where you live. Sure. Yeah, yeah, I'm Gavin Shapiro. I'm 33, and um, I live in New York City. Um, I was born here, and then I moved out to Connecticut. Grew up there. Came back to the city uh, for college, and I've been here ever since. Other than you know, a few years I lived abroad and stuff. But uh, yeah, no, I've, I've been here in New York City. I work as a motion graphics designer, and I'm a digital artist. I do work as NFTs. Uh, I've been doing that for the last few years as well. Um, yeah, start there. Let's start there with the intro. Yeah, that's cool. You so when you went to school, you were you like your schooling. You you were in Connecticut or in New York or a little mix of both. Um, I was in New York. I went to NYU for film, um, and then after that, I started doing a bunch of uh, like motion graphics work. You know, I started out as an intern. I worked at the Onion, uh, and that turned into like a, you know a job. Um, awesome. And then I just kept doing freelance stuff for about a decade. And then I've, I've also done some full time things for a few years here and there. Where's your family? Yeah, they're up in Connecticut. When you were in like elementary school, middle school, high school, did you go to school in New York or in, was that in Connecticut? Oh, uh, that was in Connecticut. Yeah, I grew up there. In Connecticut. Yeah, mm-hmm. right on. Yeah. Were you a public school kid or a private school kid? No, I was, I was a private school kid. <laughs> yeah. I, <don't, laughs> I just always ask that. I like to kind of try to get big into people's like education background. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. What do your parents do? Um, they're pretty much retired now. I mean, they, let's see, they were artist representatives in New York city for many years. Uh, and then they sort of pivoted into, um, I don't know, they, my dad did a book publish, publishing company, uh, for a while. And they, they both sort of pivoted into real estate and they've done some investing stuff. Um, is an artist representative sort of like a, like having a, like an, like a manager, I guess. Yeah. They were kind of like, let's see. So my mom was an artist representative in New York city. My dad like started a publishing company, which makes, they, they made books that would compile like, a whole bunch of artists work and then they would send out those books as a publication. So it was kind of like before the internet was, was popular. It was like sort of a, a gallery in a way for, for, um, you know, artists to find client work. Yeah. Essentially. Was your, so, you see, I, I'm, I'm assuming you were exposed to a lot of art. Yeah. So that's, that's into that. yeah. So I was exposed yeah. to art a lot as a kid, you know, like they had all these books all around all the time. I'd be looking at books of, of fonts and design and illustrators and, um, yeah, it was just thousands and thousands of pages of all these different artists work. So I was, I was exposed to it from a young age for sure. Um, from, from both of my parents, you know, cause they were both sort of heavily in that world. Um, did you grow up thinking that you would become an artist? You know, I don't know. I think I would, I always sort of knew I was going to do something 
in the arts. That's what I wanted to do. You know, my, my dream in, in like high school was to, to make funny videos. You know, that was like, I wanted right to on. get paid to make funny videos somehow, you know? So then my first job out of college was working at the onion. So, you know, then I had to sort of figure out a new life goal because <laughs> I got that one kind of immediately. And then I was like, well, now what? Shit. That's like instant gratification for your life goals right there. How, yeah, exactly. how, did, you, no, how was, did you get a job working at the onion? Tell me about that. Great. Tough problem to have, right? Um, yeah. Let's see. I got that job. So I was, I was at school and there was, there was like an internship database, like an internship uh-huh. board, you know, and I was looking through the internships and one of them was the onion. So I thought, you know, it immediately jumped out to me as something to apply to. So um, I applied for that and I got it. And then I was working uh, as an intern with them. I was working on like their, their web videos, um, making like visual uh-huh. effects and compositing motion design, that kind of stuff. Um, so I started there, I started with the onion and then, you know, by the time I had graduated, it, it kind of turned into a, a job and they were putting together, um, they were just about to launch a few different TV shows. They were launching one on comedy central and they were launching one on IFC. And, uh, it was like, you know, their, their whole shtick is that they make fun of the news in a way where they're making a basically completely accurate representation of the news. So if you don't know it's the onion, you can think it's real. So (laughs) my job was essentially to like try to make real news shows, you know, real news show graphics. So we had to make it look as realistic as possible. Um, and yeah, it was great. It was just a lot of fun. We made a lot of fun. Who writes all of that stuff? The onion, the onion writes it, you know, they have like a team of writers. Um, yeah. From what I remember, it was like super selective and they didn't, you know, they didn't do, um, what do you call it? They didn't like post job listings for writers. I think it was just like sort of a core crew. Um, right. You know, cause everyone, you know, there'd be, they'd have thousands of people submitting resumes and stuff. They're like, Oh, please let me be a writer for the onion. Yeah. And they're like, no, no, we got our, we got our squad. Uh, yeah. The onion, like it's so genius how they do you're, you're right, man. Cause it looks real and it's so absurd, you know, like, yeah, some people exactly. think it's, like people, sometimes people think it's real. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, that's the goal of it, you know, and that's how their, their satire kind of functions. Um, <laughs> and it's, it's funny cause I've been on a few of these podcasts and I, they always, they always start with, you know, where did you start? Where'd you get your beginnings? And I keep coming back to the onion and yeah. it, it sort of made me realize over time, like a lot of my own work and a lot of the stuff I do now as a, as a digital artist, it does involve mimicry and like the sense of satire that it, it brings um, is contingent on making something look as real as possible and, you know, convincing somebody that something is real uh, for the purpose of satire. So it's interesting to sort of trace yeah. my beginnings and realize that as I go back and, and think on it, you know, you're 33. So you're young enough to kind of be always like in the digital realm, like your whole life pretty much. Did, yeah, that, exactly. That true? Were you always like exposed to computers and like, Yeah. Yeah. And I talk about that with my friends, how I feel like, uh, you know, my friends who are my age are, we're kind of like the last generation that is, I think, native language speaker fluent in digital and traditional or, you know, digital and non-digital. You know, we we grew up in a time where there wasn't internet, but then we were young enough when the internet came out and computers were around that uh, we were able to get fluent in it. Do you remember the first time you got on a computer? First time I got on a computer. Oh, man. (laughs) I don't know the first time I got it. No, it's a great question. Literal first time. I'm not totally sure. I mean, my dad, yeah. you know, they, they were both in the, the world of, my parents were both in the world of the arts and digital art and stuff. You know, they were around when digital artists started emerging and Photoshop started coming out. So I knew about it all. And like my, you know, my dad had a computer and I would use it. I used kid pics. I remember that it was some like old art program, like MS paint kind of, 
but it was like designed for kids and you could draw around and it would make sounds and stuff and you could stamp little icons on things, you know, put crazy effects on it. So I remember using kid pics as a kid. Um, but yeah, man, no, I was lucky. I was exposed to computers from a young age. So that definitely gave me a, a head start. You know, for sure. Did you have, do you have any kind of like trad, trad art background at all besides out of, out of the digital realm? I know like a lot of the stuff you do is in digital. So yeah. 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 No, not really. Like I can't draw, I can't paint, you know, I, I had art class in school and you know, we had to do that stuff, but I never like, I never really studied art art. It was always kind of figuring stuff out. Um, I got you, you know, looking at inspiration and references, trying to learn some new software or something, but yeah, no, I, I never, I never was like, trained in drawing or painting or anything uh i know you're a really smart guy because when i was doing a little research on you i was looking at your youtube channel where you do instructional videos oh yeah yeah i mean you're you're a smart guy man you uh (laughs) (laughs) you're you're over my head you know i I just i watched a couple of your videos i was like yeah this guy's (laughs) that's so funny which ones did you watch it was one with the triangles and the triangle yeah 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 yeah. (laughs) i figured yeah sometimes i look back at that when I was like, oh my God, that's a bold presentation right there. It's very bold, man. It takes some, <laughs> it takes a lot of numbers, numbers and math. Like that out, man. I, yeah. I I'd do it. That's so funny, man. Yeah. So, no, I love math. So, that goes into my work a lot. Um, you, know, you have I'll, a strong use, math background? You know, it's not even a strong math background, but it was, uh, I was always good at it in school. You know, I was always good at math in middle school, yeah. high school. Um, I loved it. I thought it was really interesting. Um, I didn't really continue it in college, you know, in yeah. high school, I sort of met the requirements and surpassed them. And I got like some AP mm-hmm. credits and I went, you know, yeah. it, it sort of helped me, you know, do some of my requirements in college. But once I was in college, I didn't feel the need to do more math, right. you know? Um, yeah. but then it was like, once I started doing my own art, um, and even just being a freelancer and, you know, working with these, these tools, and software, um, I found every now and then it would be easier to, to do something mathematically. You know, if something had to be automated or I needed to know exactly where something should be on the screen, it's like, you know, I'd do, you know, I'd use algebra or something, something relatively basic, you know, calculus and stuff. It's a bit over my head now. I don't really remember it, but, you know, I still use algebra pretty often. Um, Geometry in my work, too. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I mean, you know, art and math have a big crossover. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely, man. Yeah. Here's a throwback question for you. Do you remember the first thing in your life that you created that you would call art oh my god man um i ask everybody this that's a good question <laughs> the first thing i created that i would call art i don't really know it's hard to remember the first even like what age roughly that would have been i'm trying to remember yeah um i can't really i don't know i mean <laughs> No worries, man. Uh, yeah, it's, sorry uh, for like a no answer response, but no, no, I, I can't no, really, I can't really I do it. That. <laughs> I'm sure some people have a very clear answer to I that. Thinking like, uh, you know, like part of me thinks like, you know, this art movement that we're in, like this emergence of like crypto art, like some of you guys, some of you artists could potentially go on to become like ultra <laughs> collectible <laughs> in the future, you know? So like, if you have access to that stuff, you should probably like, I know, right? Yeah. Now, man. <laughs> Be like Good having question, like though, a Basquiat that he drew when he was like six years old or something. Yeah, you know yeah, I mean? exactly. I mean, I'm sure my parents would know. I'm sure they have, you know, they have boxes and boxes of all the all the scraps that we scribbled on and every single homework assignment. You we said you did. were into like video, like doing stuff with video. When did you get into mm-hmm. that? Um, video. That was also. Let me see. 
Oh man, I'm trying to think. Eventually my parents got me a camcorder and I like, you know, would make videos and stuff. And talk me, talk to me about that. What happened when you got your first camcorder? Just wanted to make funny movies. You know, that's what I, for whatever reason, I, I, I wanted to make funny videos. Um, Do you remember any of the stuff that you made? Man, I think the first video I made, cause I got the camcorder for Christmas and I made a video of my dad being really excited to like plug in the Christmas tree and show everyone. And then he plugged it in. And then I just cut to a video of like a nuclear explosion <laughs> as if you plugged in the tree and like the house blew up, you know, like, how did you I edit that? How, did, how were you editing? What were you doing just, it in? Uh, you iMovie. I just, iMovie. iMovie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Um, yeah, just those, those were the, the first time. Yeah. And then it was just like, you know, making funny sketches with my friends and stuff and doing that and, middle school, high school, man, I don't remember. It was like, yeah, it was pre-high school. It was in, in high school too. Um, but it was mostly videos and stuff, you know, making like sketches and things. Um, and then I kept doing that through college. You know, I, I went to school for film and then, um, yeah. And then I started sort of dabbling in motion design and visual effects. How was NYU? NYU is so hard school to get into. It was great. I remember really liking it. I mean, you know, what I learned there was essentially like uh, filmmaking and storytelling. That was, I think the real thing that they, they taught there. Um, you know, and they teach you how to use a camera and shoot and be a director and cinematographer. They kind of teach you everything and then you can kind of get more specific into what you want to focus in. Um, and I, I remember I liked editing a lot. I liked, you know, cutting things to music. I like when things lined up. Um, uh, but yeah, eventually, um, you know, I got into these, these internships with the, with the onion, you know, and I was doing that for a while. So that was sort of the start of me getting heavily into visual effects and motion graphics, you know, cause we had to make stuff and it was on, on the fly and it was on the job and there were deadlines and, um, it was very fast, you know, cause sometimes there'd be something in the news that happened and then they'd have to release something two days later. So, uh, I was sort of thrust into an environment where I was learning very quickly cause we had to deliver. So if you didn't know something, you had to look it up and learn it quickly. And it was, that was the case constantly. Um, yeah. so I learned a lot there, you know, sort of being thrust into it. And then that turned into a job and I learned more and more there. And then I kept sort of developing my skills and, you know, the rest is history. Jump in the fire. Yeah. Yeah. That was exactly what it is. Just jumping right into the fire. Yep. What, what do you use to create, uh, now what are the tools that you use? Is it all computer or? Yeah. yeah. I use uh, cinema 4d and after effects mainly, Okay. you know, cinema yeah. 4d for all the 3d stuff. Um, I render with octane render. Um, and yeah, then compositing is an after effects, you know, so that's kind of the, the bread and butter cinema 4d and after effects. Use Mac. Are you on a Mac platform? I'm on a PC. Actually, I switched to Mac, um, when I got this computer. So that was, what was that? 2018. Yeah. Um, I was sort of Mac all the way up until then. And then eventually it just didn't make sense anymore. You know, eventually it was like to use this software, you need a lot of, you need a lot of graphics, uh, graphics cards. GPUs. So to get a Mac just didn't make sense. You know, it's like two or three times the cost for something that's, uh, doesn't, it's not really designed to be upgraded in a modular way, you know? Right. So with my PC, I've had it since 2018. And when I needed more power, I just swapped out a graphics card, put in a new one. You know, I needed yeah. a one, I got a new graphics card. It didn't fit in the computer. So I got a new case and put everything in the new case. Like, so it's, it's easy to just sort of upgrade it and uh, keep it modular incrementally over time. Um, yeah, there's a lot cheaper. 
a lot of tech, a lot of techie people listen to this. So I've just always sure, sure. The hardware people use in this, in the programs and stuff. You, yeah, you yeah. use, you say you use cinema 4d a lot. I, um, mm-hmm. I've played around with blender a little bit and I, oh, cool. I know how, how hard that is to use. Sure. How did you learn cinema 4d? Is that something you learned in school or did you teach yourself or. It was kind of, it started at the onion, I want to say, cause that's what they were oh, using. Wow. Um, oh. so I was sort of just thrust into it and doing tutorials and then having to, you know, deliver things and just, you know, learning from the guys there who were like my first mentors. Uh, they were great. Right. Um, yeah. So yeah, it was just kind of trial by fire, just getting thrown into it and having to learn and then just, you know, learning more and more and more. And then every time I wanted to learn something and I couldn't, it's like, you know, you have YouTube now, you just look up a tutorial. It's right. crazy. It's like, I don't know if people understand the difficulty level and to like create the kind of stuff that you're creating in like in a program like Cinema 40. It's like, it's intense, right? <laughs> yeah, it's intense. You know, it's a lot. Like you gotta, you gotta design every detail. You gotta put every single thing in there. Um, and make it all line up. You know, a lot of my stuff is with, uh, it's all like, uh, looping videos, you know? Yeah. And that's right. like a technique I developed, you know, and I share it in my tutorials, but it's not like you just click a button and it loops. It's like, you have to design everything in a really careful way. Um, so, so that it loops and looks natural. It doesn't look glitchy. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Yep. Right. Cause there can be glitches if you don't do it right, or it can pop at the end. How did you get into the NFT world? What got you from like just working in this industry to now now minting NFTs? Sure. Um, let's see. I was approached by Nifty Gateway back in like I think it was May 2020, maybe it was like spring 2020, and they were just sort yeah. of they were starting to grow and they were looking for artists. Um, yeah. So at that point, I had been making personal work for a few years. I want to say like mm-hmm. a year or two. Um, and I was just making personal work, posting it to Instagram. Um, I would post it to other places too, some Facebook groups, I'd post things on, on Reddit, try to make things go viral, you know. Yeah. Um, and I had some success. You know, I, I had built up a following by then. So they came across my Instagram page, reached out. Um, it sounded like too good to be true at that point, you know. Yeah. So I was, I was wary and I was asking a lot of questions and I showed it to a buddy of mine um, who like, he knows the art world pretty well. Uh, yeah. and he checked out their site and he saw that uh, Kenny Scharf was on there and he was like, Oh, I know Kenny Scharf. Like that's a legit artist. So yeah. give it a shot. <laughs> <laughs> He's like if Kenny Scharf's yeah. on it, like it's probably a legit thing. So, you know, I said, sure, right. let me try it. And I, I tried to drop on it. And it worked out and I just kept doing it. So it was like, you know, every few months I would do a drop on Nifty Gateway. Um, and it was, great you know it was like i'd make five eight grand like on a drop or something you know so it was this awesome little side hustle that i was doing um while i was working at that time i was working at a company called rga they're like a big branding agency Uh um so i was working there um and then doing personal work at home just on you know in my free time on weekends and stuff um so i had this cool little side hustle that i was doing you know and every few months i'd i'd have a drop and then eventually it, it sort of got to the point where it was like I made more money doing that than at my job. So when it was at that point, I told my job like, hey, you know, I'm going to try this and see if it keeps working. Um, and they were really nice. They gave me like a, a three-month leave of absence, you know, and they were like, try it out and let us know. We'll keep in touch. And then by the end of it, it was still going well. So I just sort of kept doing it full time. Um, wow, man. Yeah. And, I, I, I yeah. knew who you were. I knew who you were from then. I um, started 
my journey in the NFT world as a collector on oh, Nifty no Gateway oh, cool. around May go. of 2020. And really? I, there you go. I've, I've been aware of you in the space since then. Yeah. So, oh, no way. That's awesome. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, nice. You know, and as, as I'm sure you recall, there was a lot going on that year. On there was Nifty a lot going Gateway. on. Were those, were those <laughs> so, exciting times? Those are like the good old days, man. <laughs> Talk me about tell crazy. me about that, man. I'm sure that had to be a big adrenaline rush, man, for any artist who was sure. in that boom. Yeah, well, I mean, it was it was so hopeful. Everyone was so optimistic, and everything was just getting bigger and bigger. And we were like, "Oh my god, we can be artists yeah. as a career now!" You know, it was right. really really cool. And you know, I still feel that to some extent, but it's it's uh, yeah. it's definitely different from the first major you know bull run and everyone getting excited and. You know, but it was just such a cool time. I remember me and my friends going on Nifty Gateway, like trying to get a drop and it would all sell out in one second. And we're like, ah, oh, did anyone get it? And someone would get something, you know, it was like, there was this yeah. energy that was, of like real excitement about the arts. You know, at least that's what it was for me. It was like, finally, digital art is getting recognized, you know? Um, so that was a super exciting time. Uh, and I, look I back agree on that with that, fun. man. And I, yeah. I think you, you artists that were there in 2020, especially mm-hmm. a lot of the artists from that were dropping uh, big drops on Nifty Gateway were the spark of this crypto art movement that started, totally. you know, which has turned into kind of a fire, you know, and hopefully it'll turn into a bonfire. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, I, I do, I do feel like that's what's happening, you know. Yeah, yeah. No, but that was a great time. It was exciting. What was your first? What was? The, what's the first NFT you ever minted? It was the Nifty Gateway drop. I did a drop on Nifty Gateway. Yeah. Do yeah. you know who? Um, do, you, do you have like? Do you know who your collectors were? Do you know who collected your stuff? Or you? Do you have? I remember a handful of them. Um, I don't know if they still have them. I feel like I'd want to go through the list and and see who's yeah, yeah. <laughs> before like name dropping or something. But, right, right. Um, <laughs> I'm not putting you on, on the spot. Yeah, yeah, but no, no, yeah. I, I, know I, if somebody like collected like some of your early one-on-one stuff. Any like big collectors or anything that have your stuff? I know you've had a lot of super rare drops. I went through your super yep. rare. Did a lot of stuff uh, on super rare as well. Um, I was in a lot of that last night. I actually picked up a couple of your things. I picked up something off OpenSea and one off of Tezos. Oh, really? Oh, thanks, yeah, man. man. Oh, that's awesome. Oh, cool. Nice. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> nice. I appreciate that. Yeah, man. I'm a fan for sure. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Thank you, dude. <laughs> but your super rares looked to me to be doing very well. Like you had some pretty, pretty solid floor prices. Yeah, yeah. No, this, the super rare stuff was great. Um, yeah, no, I mean, it's it's an interesting thing to try to juggle and balance in terms of how to like continue approaching it. Because, you know, I had some pretty high sales on Super Rare, and now yeah. I feel like I sort of need to maintain that. Um, yeah. Because I feel like yeah. if I sell for lower, it's pretty disrespectful to my collectors. So I'm just trying to I'm find sure. the right pace of, of releasing work, um, you know, to sort of you're, maintain. You're not the only that. artist struggling with that dilemma. All yeah, all yeah, no, it's a, it's the artists that dilemma. I talk to have this same conversation in their head yeah. and with their with their mentors and stuff. You know, yeah. I ask everybody about that. I'm we're definitely going to dig into that. How do you do that? Let's just talk about it. How do you sure. put a value on whatever you're you're minting? Um, you know, it's tough, man, and I don't <laughs> I don't really know how to do it. Like. There's something yeah. about me that doesn't feel right telling people like you can't have my stuff unless you pay this much because a big right. part of my philosophy is also accessibility, you know. Yeah. And it's like yeah. I want to make 
you know, I make tutorials to give people the knowledge I've learned because it's like, you know, people did that for me and I want to make it as easily available as possible, you know, um, and I give away project files and things. So I do have this cognitive dissonance of like, how do you charge somebody something, uh, you know, but also keep it accessible, but then also respect the people who've collected it so far, you know? So, um, what I kind of like you got a pretty good level of humility, man. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. Not everybody has that. That's a good thing to have, man. That's not, yeah. You know, my goal is is, a good quality to possess. My goal in this is never to like make as much money as possible. And I saw a lot of people do that and it didn't feel right. Um, I agree. Because to me, it's like, I'm I'm trying to preserve the artistry of what I do. I'm trying to make it so that I'm making this for the reason of making art and not for the reason of making money. Um, You know, and my goal is to have collectors who, uh, who like my work and want it because they like the work. You know, Mm -hmm. I think there's a lot of projects out there where the draw to it is that like, Oh, you could flip this and make money. And like, that's how a lot of the scams work and they broadcast, you know, a million Instagram messages and TikTok and Twitter. And they're all trying to say, Oh, get this quick. It's going to go up a thousand X. And that's the draw to it. So I want to be as far away from that as possible. Uh, and yeah. I want people to collect my work who collect it for the right. sake of collecting it just because they like it and they want to keep yeah. it, you know? Yeah. Um, so the last, I don't know, last year or more, pretty much most of my nifty gateway drops have been uh, ranked auctions or silent auctions with no minimums. Cause I okay. figure, well, let the market decide how much it's worth. Yeah. You know, um, if I can keep making money doing this, I'll keep doing it. And if I can't, I'll, pick up more freelance jobs. You know, it's like, I've, I've been a freelancer for so long. It's, it's not like I need to have the art income be my only income. It's like, I can always go back to that. So for the art income, I want to, I want to make it genuine, you know, and I want to make it something where people are getting it for the right reasons and they're getting it at a price they think is fair. Um, so yeah. So for, for one-on-ones, it's a bit harder to manage because it's, or, you know, harder to think about how to approach it because I, yeah. you know, I want to respect my collectors who've already paid a certain amount. Um, but for yeah. a lot of the addition work, I've just been releasing it as pay what you want. You know, it's a it's a ranked auction. The top editions, you know, the top bids will get an addition. And, you know, to me, that seems like the fairest way that I can make my work available at the rate that uh, people would naturally want to pay for it and be comfortable paying for it, you know, without yeah, it being like some that. crazy hype that then sort of explodes and fizzles out and then people forget about it, you know. Yeah, I think it makes sense. You have to protect the interest of your previous collectors. And what I saw in mm-hmm. your super rare was that you were anywhere between like five and twenty something eighth. You yeah. know, which is which is really substantial. You know, that's a good that's a good floor. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And, uh, absolutely. You know. Yeah, I'm sure you gotta like. I'm sure you gotta like manage that in your mind when you're releasing something there. Like, totally. What's what's the reserve going to be for this? Yeah, exactly. I also I also was pretty impressed that you um, that you had some things on Tezos that were extremely accessible. Yeah, Tezos felt like the place to do that, you know. Yeah, and it's just yeah. like artists collecting artists for the most part. Right. Um, yeah, and I want to do more stuff on Tezos because I like that community a lot. I like the vibe there. It's just people doing this for fun, you know. Um, yeah, our mutual friend Zach French, he's the one that uh, put post, put me onto the Tezos scene, man, and I oh, kind of cool. like. There you go. Jumped into it, but I love collecting on there. I, uh, yeah, me too. Uh, yeah. And actually, you know, it's funny, uh, a lot of like good, really big name artists in the ETH, in the ETH scene have a Tezos profile and they have yeah. little things you can pick up on Tezos, which is really cool. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's a lot of fun. Um, yeah, I plan on doing some more, more releases over there. 
do you do you you collect art? Yeah, yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah. I, I collect NFTs, and then I, you know, I have some. I do collect some art, uh, yeah. you know, physical art. Um, Tell me about your NFT collecting journey. Sure. Um, let's see. NFT collecting has mainly been just me coming across work that I think looks great and I like it and it resonates with me. And then I, you know, that's the kind of stuff that I found myself collecting. Um, so yeah, a lot of it is, you know, 3d looping kind of stuff, surreal stuff. There are a few artists that I've really liked for many years, you know, just on Instagram or, you know, before the whole NFT thing. And then when I saw they came to the NFT world, it was like a no brainer to sort of seek them out and see if they were releasing things. Is there so, anybody you want to shout out that like that you're, that you're collecting or you have? Yeah, sure. I have, a, I like um, Oscar Peterson a lot. Uh, Andreas Wannerstedt, um, Arben. I don't, I can't pronounce his last name because I'm a jerk and I don't know, but if, if, his uh, Instagram page is Arbin Liberate Me with a one instead of an I. Um, right and his, you know, those guys I consider like the godfathers of, of like the seamless looping animation stuff. So I have a bunch of their work. I love their work. Um, yeah. They're huge inspirations to me, all of them, because they, they're all just like, they make seamless loops that are just beautifully designed and really brilliant in their ways that they uh, articulate motion. And they're all just, you know, flawlessly executed. Um, that's really, really cool. meticulous attention to detail. So I love their work. Um, and I, you know, I sometimes go back and look at it, but that to me is like, or like, that's like a, like when I think of like, what would be a great NFT to have and like put on a screen? It's like, I think, I think of their kind of work, you know, it's just infinite. You can look at it like a painting, you know, and, um, yeah. You think that this work's going to be, you think this is, we're co- heading to a place where like the, the stuff that we're collecting as NFTs is going to be displayable at home, like in our homes. You feel yeah, like that? maybe. I mean, I think, you know, that's possible. You know, there's infinite objects and, you know, you could put it up on a screen or something. I, I don't right. really have like a persistent NFT display screen in my house. Me neither. You yeah. know, I have, I, I have um one of Beeple's, the, when he did that nifty gateway drop with the open edition and they came with a screen. So oh, I have yeah. one of those cause he was an artist who I followed for, for over a decade, you know, like when I was yeah. first learning motion design, when, when I was at the onion in 2009 as an, as an internship, you know, it's like yeah. I was going to people's website and looking through his project files and learning how he used layers in cinema 4d and like, you know, that wow. kind of like, he was always sort of a, an idol to me. Um, I always looked up to him. So yeah, when I saw he was doing NFTs and he had like one with a screen, I was like, oh, this is cool. This makes sense, you know? Um, yeah. And I felt like a crazy person buying it. I was like, oh my God, I'm spending $900 <laughs> on like a piece of art. What am I doing? And, you know, now it's, it's like... Congratulations. You know, it seems, <laughs> yeah, it seems... Uh, it's funny in, in, in hindsight, you know? It's like, oh shit. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's, it's, like, exp- it's worth exponentially more than you paid for it, I'm yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So funny. No, either way, is, it's just like it's just, I don't. I'm not even thinking about selling. It. You know, it's just like I have it because yeah. I've always I've always liked his work, and you know, I'm I'm happy that I was able to get it. So I have not been much of a flipper in this scene, man. I, I yeah, you know, same. I had like the I had the dreams of making some quick bucks off flipping some stuff, yeah. which I could yeah. have. Um, all the stuff that I bought that went like you know, I, I, you know, I've just had no luck flipping. So I, I'm a hodler. <laughs> I don't yeah, like selling. The times yeah. where I did try to flip, it's just like it went up a million times after that, and I was like, "What am I doing? Exactly. I, don't, I don't know what I'm doing." <laughs> That's exactly what I was gonna say. The stuff that I did yeah. flip, 
I, right after I flipped it, it went up like a hundred X. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's was, sort of the path. And all the stuff <laughs> you know? that I thought was going to hundred X went to zero. <laughs> yeah. That's the thing. It's, so it's like, I, I was never able to, figure out a way to control it or do it. It was just never fun. Anytime I tried, I was just stressing about it. You know, I was like, I bought this thing and I'm looking at the price every day and, oh, when am I going to flip it? It's like, I, I don't know. It, I think the people that are really, really good at that are just like, they almost are like, it's all, I don't, I don't want to say it like, like in a mean way, but they're almost like sociopathic when it comes to like the detachment from things, you sure, know, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Motion, you know, yep. like, you have to be completely absorbed and you got to be obsessive. And yeah. And you got to just be cutthroat and making your <laughs> calculations about when to make a move on something. You know? Yeah. They, they're, they're good at making decisions just on facts. I'm, I'm all emotion, man. I can't. Yeah. I feel you, man. So, yeah. So people lives where I live. I live in Charleston, South Carolina and Beeple's Oh, cool. Here. There you go. And I, and I actually got into the whole NFT thing because of Beeple, because Beeple's nice. big sale at Christie's was in the news. Oh, there you go. Yep. Of what yep. NFTs were. But I never met Beeple until this weekend. I actually met him this weekend in Miami at Art Basel. <laughs> so I think I saw him too. I think I saw him at a party. I was like, oh, what's up, Mike? And he was like, hey. <laughs> um, that's cool. Yeah, Basel was fun. That's right. You were there. Um, yeah, like I was it? there. Was how, how, how was Art Basel for you? Tell me what your. It was good. I had a lot of fun. Um, it's inspiring to see all the art. You know, I think yeah. that was the biggest way it affected me. Um, there's just so much of it. It's also kind of like yeah. there's so much art. It's hard. It's almost hard to remember like what I saw because there's so much of it. Oh gosh. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like you're going you're going through all these art fairs and. And you're seeing like thousands of artworks a day, you know, and they're all so good that they made it to, to Art Basel. So it's like, it's hard to sort of parse what is good or what, what you saw or what you remembered or what impacted you or I don't know, but it was definitely inspiring as a whole. It was like, you know, Oh, I see. Okay. I can step up my game, you know? Um, and it shows you just how massive the art world is. Man. It shows you how massive the art world is. Yeah. Cause this is just like a <laughs> sliver of, this is the sliver of the sliver that made it, you know? Yeah. It's like, yeah. it's a huge world. So yeah, that's pretty wild to see too. The big conversation takeaway for me from our Basel is like the community aspect of the NFT scene, you know? Sure. Like that's just different than anything that I've ever really been around in yeah. my life. You know, in what sense? What was it like for you? Well, you know, just there's just the the people that are in this scene, like in the NFT world, like you know the mm -hmm. parties that I went to, the people that I met. Everybody here is so friendly, helpful, you know, uh, welcoming. Yeah, you know, definitely trying to promote each other and lift each other mm -hmm. up. It's just like it's different than um, other things that I've been around in my life. You know. In that, in that sense, is that is that something that you've had ex any thoughts on? Yeah, that? absolutely. Yeah, I remember first feeling that at NFT NYC last year, two years ago. Yeah, yeah. Um, must have been two years ago. Wow, it's crazy how time flies. But yeah, one of the first right. NFT NYC events I went to, it was like I was going to the super rare party and things. It's like you see all the other artists who you've been through this with, you know, and people right. who I've been talking to for two years online and never met them in person. It's like now here they are and. You know, we're catching up and we're talking about like, oh, what was it like for you, man? Like, yeah. you know, because we all went through this crazy roller coaster experience, you know, as digital artists. So very cool meeting people in the space like that, um, talking about it with them, seeing what it was like for them. Um, that's 
that's always been memorable for me. So I, I love that. And like you said, everyone's just cheering each other on and we're all just so grateful to be a part of this. And, you know, it's exciting. We're on, it was this like a, it's a new technology and we're sort of watching it unfold and we're, we're part of the story of it unfolding, you know, we for can shape sure. that story. So we're all, we're sort of all in this together in a way. Yeah. You are shaping so, that story. Exactly. Yeah. For the most part, I like the way it's shaping up, you know, like yeah, same. hardcore, <laughs> like artists in the scene seem to have a really, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that scene is very, very cool to me. I mean, let's take out mm-hmm. the, the scams and the rug pulls and the PFP. Sure. Sure. That yeah. That part sucks, but that's in any technology, man. Like, you know, it's in, I might get scam calls on my phone. I get scam emails. <laughs> exactly. It's like, it's like any technology where, you know, people can be, socially engineered and taken advantage of, like people are going to do it. You know, do you have so. any speculation on the future for artists in the digital space? Like how do you see this emerging in the five, 10, 20 year mark? Mm. Is that something that you've spent any time thinking about? Oh man, it's a good question. And I try to think about it. And then sometimes I realize it's just so hard to predict <laughs> <laughs> just at the rate that things change. I mean, AI, AI art has been a huge disruptor in this, you know, um, I was going to ask you about AI, actually. That's on yeah, AI is a great, <laughs> yeah, a great topic. I think that's the biggest thing. I mean, sure, you know, we can try to figure out what it, what's the NFT art scene going to be like in a few years or what's digital art going to be like in a few years. But, I mean, the biggest disruptor and the biggest force I see changing all this stuff is going to be AI art. So um, I had a weird – so I, I'm, I'm writing something right now. I'm, I don't know what I'm going to call it. I don't know if it's like mm-hmm. a book. I'm not, I'm not really sure exactly where I'm going with sure. it. But. It's a little like futuristic kind of thing mm-hmm. that I'm working on. And uh, so I've spent a lot of time thinking about this stuff and I was thinking about the future of AI. Like, I mean, it could get to the point where we could have like AI movies. Yeah, <laughs> you know? no, no, I think so. I think that's probably, I think that's probably where it's in head. I mean, I think, I think realistically uh, AI is going to get used in places where um, people are trying to figure out more and more efficient ways to make money. You know, it's going to get applied to things like that. Any business, any big business or big tech companies. So like I yeah. see it, my dystopian nightmare that I think is probably going to happen. Yeah. I bet like there's going to be some kind of version of TikTok or reels where all the content is just AI generated based on the stuff that you look at and you won't even know it's AI generated. So you'll just be looking at content and it'll be perfectly tailored to you. You'll have no idea. You're just like, oh, it's so cool. And you're just looking at it and you scroll and then you look at all the ads and you know, that's how they would. That's what I'm talking about with the movies, you know, like, you know, in in my sick dystopian futuristic (laughs) worldview, like, you know, any kind of like crazy thing you can think of in your brain could be made into like something that you could watch on a screen. Absolutely. Yeah. They're going to be custom made (laughs) movies. The darkest part about that for me is like, cool. It's going to be so fantastic. You can see a movie of whatever you want, change the actors or whatever. But then you're gonna lose the like you're gonna lose the shared movie experience, you know? Like yeah. a big part of movies is like talking about it with your friends. So if you all saw a different movie, now there's no social aspect of seeing movies together. Right. You know? Right. So it's like by being able to get more and more specific and tailoring th- tailoring things to people's perfect vision of what they want, it's like it kind of makes a lonelier world because then nobody can talk about anything together because they're they're all in their own reality of seeing the thing that's perfect for them, you know. So <laughs> kind of weird i'm i'm kind of curious to see how it's going to play out like i can't imagine it'll ultimately get to that because of the social barrier of like you know losing yeah. something to talk about with people but it will in some regard you know that that kind yeah. of market will emerge for 
for some people, for I don't know, it's going to be weird to see what happens, but it's 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 so hard to predict. So when you ask me about like in five, ten years, it's like I don't know. Like this stuff, this stuff changes every two months, every few weeks, you know. And it's moving fast, man. It's moving fast, <laughs> moving super fast. Have you played around with any of the AI like art generators? Have you messed with any? Of yeah, that? totally. I love them. I think they're great. Um, what are you using? What are you played with? Do you, I'm using. I've, I've used Mid Journey and. Um, sure. I've had the I, and Dolly, but I've, I think I like Mid Journey the best so far. That's been my yeah. Mid Journey's gotten very good. I remember playing with Mid Journey when it was when it was first out. I was one of the beta uh-huh. users, um, and it has changed so much. Man, V four like blows everything out of the water now. Um, Dolly is great. I love Dolly as well. Dolly is great for in painting, uh, especially. You know, you yeah. can have a photo of you wearing a suit and you erase it and say guy wearing a t shirt, and it's like perfect. You know. That's like, crazy. um, yeah, it's great for that. Stable diffusion is really great too. Stable diffusion is super powerful, has right. all the image to image tools and stuff. Uh, you can yeah. do style transfer and it. it's like, you can train, you know, new concepts on it. You can use dream booth so you can put yourself in it or a car or a cat or a, an art style or whatever. Like it's, it's really mind blowing. So I've sort of been dabbling in all of them cause I want to sort of stay on top yeah. of it and see how these are changing and how I could use them and put them in my own workflow even. Um, so, so yeah, I, I think, think they're. I think it's fascinating. I think AI art is fascinating, and it's all learning the language now. So it's the AI language, yeah. learning how to word, you know, string words together and what words totally. to use to try to prompt totally. the computer to generate what you're envisioning. Yeah, it's fascinating. Yeah, I, I think uh, it's very interesting. I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing where where the world goes with all of that. I was talking to Dave Krugman. I had him on as a guest a mm. while back. Okay. His um, and his thing was he was talking about augmented reality, and he had, sure you know, he suggested like we would have like some kind of glasses or contacts or something where you're mm-hmm. like projecting digital, you know, the digital world into the real world, and you're seeing totally. it kind of together. Yeah, what do you think about that? <laughs> I think that's going to take off before VR does, personally. Yeah, um, yeah, because yeah, it's a thing where like. Uh, let's see. VR feels like a tech demo a lot of the times. I find, you know, yeah. and there are fun things you can do. There are games and you can paint with it and stuff. And there are people who take right. advantage of that really, really well. Yeah. But I've heard yeah. from a lot of gamers like they'd rather just play games with a controller instead of like right. getting the sword out of the back and like reloading the gun. It's like you know they yeah, want to yeah, just yeah. like play the game. They don't want to like do a, a experience. You know, they don't want to move, um, move like that. I agree with that. Yeah, but then with AR, it's like that will give people new capabilities that people will be like, Oh, I want to use that so I can be a, a more productive person or something. Or so I can, yeah. you know, yeah. Yeah. it'll give people a new thing, it'll, you know, or like if you could do a, a, an AR chat where someone's in the room with you, you know, it's like now I can hang out with my friend in my room. Like, so it'll, it'll add capabilities that people will be like, Oh, there's a real reason why I need to go out of my way to do that. You yeah. know? Um, cause it's yeah. like, sure, you can do VR chat with an avatar in, in the virtual, you know, N64 room, but it's like, yeah. you know, I think a lot of people would be like, well, why would I get the goggles and everything? I could just zoom with someone. It's sort of as good, you know, um, yeah. compared to AR putting someone in your, like, I don't know. I, I think AR adding stuff into your environment is going to make people uh, more likely to use it. They also have to get the glasses smaller. Uh, cause I think that's an impediment for a lot of people. My downside to VR is the motion sickness, man. I get like yeah, totally. motion sickness with uh, with VR, you know? Yeah, exactly. It's like, you know, we didn't evolve to, 
be in that environment. So we're not really used to it. Yeah. The, uh, the coolest thing that I've done on VR is the on cyber galleries now, like everybody's got these on oh, cyber yeah. galleries That's and like cool. you can go in VR and like view these galleries in VR, which is really cool. That's you very know? cool. Yeah, yeah, that's a great so use like, for it. Seeing yeah. like a 3D coldy or something, you know, in VR. Totally. It's very cool, man. I, you know, it like is that, cool, yeah. yeah. Yeah, to be taken to a place you can't, awesome use case of VR. You know, I think that's what people use it for now. Have you tried looking at your own stuff in VR? Um, I don't think so. I don't think I have in VR yet. That'd be pretty cool, um, actually. Now that would be cool. Yeah, stuff, I would like to look at your triangles with the VR. Yeah, yeah it'd be cool. I've, I've walked around like on cyber galleries with my stuff. Yeah, but I've never done it. I've never done a VR. Um, but yeah, no, it'd, it'd be a cool thing to try. You know, not to digress, but how do you how do you connect with like your collectors in your base? Do you do social media? What's your um? Platform? Yeah, it's, how do you it's, communicate best with people? It's pretty much all just Twitter. Um, I'm Twitter. trying to. Keep yeah. it in in one place, you know. Every now and then, I get I've been asked like, "Oh, do you have a Discord?" And I don't know. For me, I feel like yeah. uh, I'm too focused on the art and making the art to like distract myself with like community management. Yeah. Um, I don't. I don't. I don't think it would be genuine to who I am and, and what I do as an artist. You know. Do you have a team or anybody that helps you? No, it's just me. You know, I have, I have friends who I talk to and bounce ideas off of and stuff, but I don't have like a team or a manager or anything. You know, I'm just, I make my art and I do my own social media. Um, yeah. You know, I make all my promos and stuff. It's really, it's just me. Um, but yeah, so I don't think I'd be able to handle doing a discord on top of it and maintaining that. I think it would be just, it would end up being a disappointment and people would be hoping to find information on the discord and it wouldn't be up to date with Twitter and you know, and also I see Discord as kind of like a vector for scams. And it's just like, I feel like if I don't have a Discord, that chance of my collectors being scammed is just eliminated. So anyway, I've just, I've sort of put it all on, on Twitter and that's where I, I do my updates and Instagram too, of course, you know, but for, for the NFT stuff, it's mainly the, the Twitter audience. My viewpoint on that from my own personal experience is that artists that don't have like a team and a community manager and all that mm -hmm. stuff that try to run their own discord. It's just a mess. Mm -hmm. It seems to be. Yeah. Great. I don't think it's for me. You know, I think it'll pull me away from being an artist. The guys that have like, like a team behind them and they got a lot of things going on. They got a lot of people yeah. helping them, you know, then it's, then it's easier. You know, you got to come. Definitely easier. I feel like getting to that point will turn my art into more of a business though. So I'm, I'm hesitant to bring it True. into that realm because yeah. I do want to, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm an artist. I don't, I don't want to be like a, a salesman. I don't want to like be a, a business making a product that is sold to customers. It's like, you know, I want there to be a sort of, uh, you know, artist collector relationship going on. You know, I want to, I want to keep it small. I, I think that's how it, uh, it stays genuine. That is an interesting conversation, Gavin. Uh, you know, there are some very good artists that have made their art into a business yeah. through NFTs that have done yeah. quite well. How do you, yeah, how definitely. Do you that man, you know, like, yeah. How do you balance it? <laughs> I don't <laughs> <You> know. know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, there, there is a balance though. I don't, I don't want to get it to the point where it is a business, you know, right on. Um, yeah. cause then it's not an art anymore, <laughs> yeah. you know, or it can be, and people do it very well, but for me also, and I think for my own identity as an artist, I think that would sort of, uh, like monetize and commodify one thing that's very core to my identity, you know, and I've grappled with that through this whole process. Like at what point, 
you know, would it become that? And I don't want it to be a, a business thing. I don't want it to become, you know, instead of how do I make a good piece of art? Like, how do I make yeah. something that I can sell to people? You know, because when it gets to that point, that's not art anymore. So anyway, I've, I've thought about this kind of stuff a lot through this whole NFT thing and trying to figure out how to balance it, you know, and make I'll sure that. I'll tell you what, you Kevin, know. this is my point yeah. of view on it. Okay. Thing, but the fact that you're grappling with it says a lot yeah. about you. You know what I mean? Okay. Like, <laughs> that's kind of it, man. The fact that you're yeah, actually yeah. Like, grappling with that, like, yeah, it's yeah. kind of the answer, you know? Like, okay, this guy. Yeah. yeah. This is coming from a, yeah. I, I do feel like when people are really genuine and they have, they're coming from a very genuine, like, honest place, like, it's very, mm. you know, it's something tangible that people can, sure. can read, you know? So that's, that's cool. great, man. Right. Dude, I wanted to ask you about your POC piece. So how did you get oh, into sure. POC? Yeah, that was that's super cool. <laughs> sure. Um, which yeah, one? You, you mean the one that was in, that was in his drop with the yeah, square? You got into the metamorphosis. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You're one of the artists that got um, picked yeah, by POC to be in the metamorphosis uh, two. How did that go, man? Can you tell me like how how did you get approached? How did you know? Sure. Did you talk yeah, to Pac? Pac just, <laughs> yeah, he he just reached out. Um, he yeah. they I'm I'm not sure if it's a person or a business or what you know anonymous of right. course. But, yeah, um, yeah. They they reached out and just mentioned that they were doing this drop with a bunch of artists and um, it sounded great. You know, there was no reason for me to say no. It was just like a cool thing. I like Pac's work. Um, I've sort of been following them for a while uh, and seeing what they're doing. I think they're a good example of. Uh, pulling the possibilities of art towards a more conceptual and technological kind of experience. Um, so I've always sort of looked up to Pac as a, as an example of that. And, you know, I'm questioned how I can uh, stretch my work in, in similar, similarly conceptual ways, you know, cause I think there's a lot that you can do with blockchain technology. Yeah. Um, especially in terms of art, you know, you can add this whole interactive element to it and you can make artwork that utilizes um, the audience as part of the work to tell a story about what humanity does, you know, and I think that's really interesting. So, yeah, yeah so there's a lot of artists. That are, there's a lot of artists that are pushing that kind of performance art boundaries right now. Totally. You know, like people are, people yeah. are, have you, have you played around with anything like that in your own? Yeah, work? totally. I mean, the, the thing I'm going to do next, uh, I'm, we're aiming for mid December. It's um, it's an artwork called power versus meaning. And it, it, is, it has been, it's my attempt to sort of do a, a conceptual piece like this that uses the audience as part of the work, essentially. Um, and the idea behind the piece, so a while ago, I read a book called Homo Deus by uh, Yuval Noah Harari. And there's this quote in it where he says, modernity is a deal where humans agree to give up meaning in exchange for power. Okay. And it just stuck with me. And it's like, you know, I see it all the time in, in the world and, and with new technologies that come out, you know, like, you know, we were talking about AI. It's like, that's a perfect yeah. example where now you have the power to make beautiful artworks instantly. But does, does that detract from the meaning of the process of making art? You know, like if you're sure. someone who's spent your whole life learning how to draw, you know, you spent right. 10, 20 years learning how to draw. Now you can do it. The meaning in your life has come from this journey of being able to produce a drawing. And then, you know, now you have AI and it does it in a second the meaning is kind of removed from it when you make it so effortless in a way, you know, just, yeah. it's just one yeah. example, but it's like, they're all, you can apply to anything. Like you can apply it to NFTs. You know, if you have the power to collect thousands and thousands of NFTs, is there meaning in 
in the ones that you've collected? Like, which ones do you remember if you have 50,000 NFTs in your collection? Right. You know, if you can only collect two or three NFTs, are those more meaningful to you? Because you don't have the power to collect more. You know, that's all you have. So I don't know. It's yeah. There's always this exchange in decisions that people make with power and meaning. So yeah. I wanted to make a piece that sort of makes people understand this concept. So there are okay. two pieces in the collection. One is power. One is meaning. And okay. with power, uh, I wanted to finally give my collectors something with utility. Uh, I wanted to respect the idea of collector awards because people asked about that, you know? Yeah. So yeah. with power, if you have a power, there's the, both of them are addition of eight. There's power, addition of eight, meaning addition of eight. Okay. So if you are a holder of power, you can give yourself a new addition of power whenever you want. That's the utility. So if you're a holder, you can say, I think it's time for a collector reward and you can give yourself a, another addition as a reward. So you can sell it if you want, you can hold it um, totally up to the collectors, you know, okay. but basically that option is there. So if you okay. have power, you have the power to give yourself a collector reward whenever you want. Um, interesting. <laughs> so then the idea, and then meaning is nothing. There's no utility, it's just a piece of art. So, you know, the people with power, they have the option to collect it and maybe they want to make a few more and flip them and then hold on to the original one, yeah. you know. But the idea behind it is if people abuse the power and they do it constantly, then that side of the collection might lose meaning because there's so many of them, you know. But if people don't do it, you know, now it's almost like, you know, if it would meaning you sort of have the power to like have the collection locked with power you don't so if, if the people who have power are able to sort of hold on to it and not let the collection get crazy there's almost more meaning in that because they were able to do it so it's like i don't really know how the collection is going to go i don't know what's going to happen but the whole thing is kind of this conceptual social experiment to sort of see what people do and what people decide to do and then in the end you know whatever people decide to do will be reflected in how the collection ends up turning out you know so and this is the, the long thing. game thing too. So it's a long game yeah, social exactly. experiment slash yeah, yeah. performance art. <laughs> slash. Exactly. The whole thing is just, yeah. you know, it's going to be a big piece of performance art essentially just yeah. for as long as the collection lasts to see what people do. If people do it's abuse the, the power of it or if they sort of. It's going to last forever. <laughs> exactly. It's going to last forever. So, you know, what am I getting myself into here? So we'll see, you know. Who but knows? Anyway. Right. Yeah. That's the idea behind it. Yeah. And it's just, you know, the idea is to sort of make people think about it. Where's that going to be coming out? That is going to, so I'm, I'm working with Manifold and they're building nice. it for me. So you'll just have your own drop on your own page, your own thing. Yep, exactly. Yep. It'll be my own drop. They're making a, you know, a page for it. Um, but yeah, that's the next big thing that's been, a, that's uh, coming up for me. Uh, it's been sort of in the works for about a year, honestly, just sort of chipping away at the idea and refining it and simplifying it and getting it to a point where it communicates what I want it to communicate. Um, but yeah, we're almost here in the home stretch. Yeah, so mid December is the target, but you know, I'll, I'll post another trailer uh, when um, when I have the exact date. Just, you know, to let people know. Yeah. I had an artist on my show. Um, her name is Victoria West, and she mm -hmm. did a um, her and um, her and another guy named Code Crafting on Tezos. They did a drop. With, oh, cool. And it had and it so the deal was there was a one of one, and then there was an addition, mm -hmm. and. If you had the one of one, you controlled the additions, but like oh, the additions could get together and like vote and like do something to control the one on one. And it turned That's out to be like 
these factions broke out and people were like, you know, trying to bribe each other to get like, you know, votes. And That's stuff. awesome. So yeah. There you go. And, it, and what it did was it controlled the, the, the way the, the one of one looked. So the one of one was like a picture of a woman's face and then it would age into like a skeleton. And then there was another one where that would like turn into a clown face. <laughs> so it's really cool, man. Victoria yeah, that's her name. If you have, she's on Tezos, man. You can check it out. It's very cool. It kind, it kind of reminds me. It kind of reminds me of that, there. like that performance art that you're. Sure. Um, yeah, two I think sides, the name of that you know. experiment was called Generations. Generations. Victoria. What's, West. what's her name? Sorry, Victoria. Victoria West. Yeah, and she's a former guest on my show. So if you, we want to oh, hear cool. more about it, you can always listen to her. Then. Cool. Generation collection. Yeah, I see it. Cool. Yeah, I'll, I'll look. I'll look <laughs> this up afterwards. Nice. Where's Where's the best place to find your stuff and find out about you and how, how do sure. I? Um, let's see. Twitter and Instagram is where I'm. Is probably the easiest way. So Twitter is Shapiro five hundred, and Instagram is also Shapiro five hundred. You have a pretty iconic uh, couple of characters in your art: the flamingos. Oh, thank and, you. Yeah, and the penguins. How'd you come up with that? Tell me about those. Um, I've always loved penguins since I was a kid. So when I started figuring out my personal style, like the style that my personal work would become, I started by, you know, putting penguins into it. Um, and then the, the flamingos sort of came about because I started working with a musical artist whose, whose music vibe is very like summer Miami beach, like, you yeah. know, party time, palm trees kind of vibe, you know, hanging out by the pool. So that I started incorporating uh, flamingos into that work. And then I just had a lot of fun with it. Um, it was like, uh, I don't know. They're, they're, they're very, they're very fun to animate just in terms of how like floppy and expressive their necks are <laughs> yeah. and stuff. Yeah. So I just stuck with that for probably about a, a year or so in the NFT space. Um, and then and everybody loves point, penguins and flamingos. Right? Nobody who doesn't like them. Who doesn't love them, you know? <laughs> so, yeah. So then after a certain point, I sort of felt like I was doing the same thing over and over and I, I didn't want to just, you know, burn out. So then I went back to doing penguin stuff because i sort of felt like that was more genuine to, yeah. to my identity and, and who i am and my story and likes and stuff you've had your art on display in some pretty prominent places i saw like some displays in like tokyo and new york yeah. and, like on big like on the big and you know big screens <laughs> yeah it's been pretty wild <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what's that like to see your stuff up in lights like that man is that i mean it's got to be pretty thrilling i would say yeah it's very thrilling you know it's it's totally surreal that's probably the best way to describe it yeah. just yeah. see it like in this huge format um yeah it's definitely it's it's uh it's surreal to say the least um yeah i didn't get to see the one in japan or the one in, in France was pretty cool. That was like a did huge Did you live in Japan? Am I wrong? I did, did yeah. Live? I lived in Japan for a few years. Yeah. Yeah. Tell me about that. It was great, man. <laughs> um, yeah. It was awesome. The first year I was there, I basically got a, a student visa. I had to study Japanese for 15 hours a week. And then I would go home. I'd, I'd work from home um, for American clients on my laptop. Oh, wow. And then the second year I was there, I, I got hired at a, a Japanese company that makes pachinko games, which is like... Uh -huh. Uh, yeah. their version of slot machines like casino games yeah um, so i was working on animations for those uh, nice and that was wild dude it was a weird and wild experience it was great i wanted to go and like work in a japanese company and have like a cultural immersion kind of situation yeah um and i had a lot of fun it was great was it hard to leave i guess it, i mean it seems like such an exotic place to live yeah it was 
I miss it a lot. I miss it a lot. I was ready to leave, yeah. you know, and like I, I missed family and friends and then I, I got a job yeah. offer waiting back home. So it made sense. And I was, I was also with someone at the time they had some stuff at home. So, you yeah. know, we were like ready to move back, but I miss it a lot. You know, I haven't been since I moved back. I moved back in 2015. That flight Tokyo to Tokyo to New York's pretty far, man. It's like 13. Yeah. Hours. <laughs> yeah. It's a long flight. <laughs> it's a long flight. Yeah, I would do that a few times a year because of you know seeing family for holidays and stuff. Yeah, uh, yeah, flight is takes ages. Are you a traveler? I love traveling. Yeah, I've only recently got back into it um, this last year, you know, over the summer because um, it was you know of course COVID lockdown and everything. So that was tough to sort of right. be totally stuck in one place for so long. But yeah, I, I do miss travel. Um, Were you in New York through COVID? Yeah. Is that hard? Um, yes and no. I mean, I was fortunate that I could work from home, you know, like pretty much immediately job went to work from home mode. Um, and then about a year into it was when I left to do the NFT thing full time. So I've just been like working from home, you know, and I'm, it's, uh, I miss the office environment. I miss commuting on the train, to be honest. I miss like sitting down and just reading for 30 minutes twice a day. Um, because I don't read anymore. I used to read like 20, 30 books a year on the train, and now I just don't read anything. I get that. Um, yeah. So I do miss that. I miss, yeah, I miss working with people. I miss being in a room with people and like, you know, problem solving together. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I mean, working from home is, is great. It's a luxury and a privilege to be able oh, to yeah. work from home. Because you can work from anywhere you want to be. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You know, I'll be like Alan where he's in, uh, where, wherever he's at right now in England, (laughs) Bristol. You're lucky, Alan. We want to be like you, man. Yeah, dude. I'm a general contractor, so I got to like be right where I'm at. I have to work from here. Yeah, exactly. It's hard to work. What do you do in terms of like, uh, what specifically? I, um, so I live in Charleston. I'm near, uh, a resort place called Kiowa Island, which is a really nice, okay you know, beautiful homes. And I work on big, expensive beach houses. Oh, cool. <laughs> like just remodeling oh, awesome. them, upfitting them, you know, kitchens, bathrooms, conditions. Oh, that's sick. Yeah. That sounds fun. Really cool yeah. I've, I've seen like the, the shows on TV, you know, where they, they renovate stuff. Dude, I'm working on some houses right now. I'm working on a house right now that's worth $27 million. It's like, oh my God, man. Giant, it's the most beautiful house you've ever seen. Like, this thing is just so beautiful, man. Jeez. And uh, we're doing just, you know, like, I'm just doing some remodel work there. You know, nothing crazy. Yeah. Just, you know, but I get to be in, like, this crazy, like, that's you know. <laughs> yeah. That's so cool. It's cool having, yeah. like, not everything like I do is like in that level, you know, but you know, sure, sure. It's, yeah, but it's fun when I you get something it. like that. You remember it. Yeah. And there's a creative side to what I do. You know, I get to, help Oh, absolutely. People. I get to help people. I'm not an artist, man. I'm, I've never been good at art and I love photography. Like I carry a camera with me all the time and I take a lot yeah. of pictures, but I'm just not good at it. <laughs> but i love art and i love talking to artists and i love you know this is my you know my end to this whole world is through trying to do this podcast and you know trying to just just connect and do it some way totally i love it man is there anything that um that i didn't ask you that you would like to say about yourself your art or your vision of the future for this space that you'd like to end this on Good question, dude. I mean, I feel like we, I feel like we kind of covered it all. Um, 
No, I don't know. I, I feel like we kind of talked about everything I was hoping to hit, you know? Right on, man. It's been uh, yeah. really great getting to know more about you. And uh, Yeah, and likewise. Yeah, Thank thanks for thanks for taking the time to come on the show. And Gavin, what I'll do in the show notes, I'll put a drop to your um, your Twitter. Is okay, that, if people perfect. wanted to get in touch with you, DMing you on Twitter, is that the best way? Or do you? Have yeah, a- Twitter's fine. I'll I'll go through my message requests every now and then. Uh, so Twitter's good. Um, there's also my if you go to my website, you can reach out by email if you want. That's an option too. Okay, cool. I'll put your link. I'll put your link tree in your Twitter okay. in the show notes so everybody can find perfect. you. And- Great. Hey man, I wish you the the best on your drop coming up, and um, I look thank forward you so to much you again in the future. Thank you so much. Great, thanks a lot. I really appreciate it. I'd like to thank everybody again for listening to another episode of the Ledge this week with me and Gavin Shapiro. If you want to find more about Gavin, you can find him on Twitter at Shapiro five hundred, or I'll post a note to his link tree in the notes show notes below. You can find me on Twitter at Harper underscore underscore Chris or at ChrisHarper.eth on Instagram. I'm here every Tuesday with a different crypto artist. If you like the show, please rate and review me in the app that you listen on and uh, feel free to share this with your friends. I appreciate everybody for joining me and I'll see you guys again next week. Thanks. Thanks.